The question is not if God is longing to speak to you. The question is, are you learning to listen? Reverend J. Patrick Street. Hello and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast, and joined in this episode by a very special guest, Jason Vonk, to discuss hearing from God, discerning God's voice. And I am incredibly excited about this conversation, mostly because I am always looking for better ways, different ways, new ways potentially of hearing from God. And I think it's going to be incredibly interesting to all of you because, I mean, what an important topic, right? And and actually looking back at the history of this podcast, we did an episode early on where Perry and I briefly touched on hearing from God in ways that we have heard from God. And I put that in the title, Hearing from God, and it is our second most downloaded episode ever. So I know people are starving for this, hungry for this, wanting more of God and God's presence in our lives as we try to be faithful fathers, hearing from him. So I'm super excited this conversation. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really excited to be on here and have this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And joined as always by Perry Hughes. Perry, how are you this morning? I'm a little sore, honestly, brother. I everybody's okay, but uh, so quick disclaimer, everybody's fine. But I hit my dog going pretty fast on the electric dirt bike the other day, and uh, man, uh, that was an experience. Yeah, let's just say that. But fortunately, it's been really a, a wet, rainy winter, so the ground is a little soft. And even though I t-boned her right in the ribs going pretty quick. I wasn't full throttle wide open, but it was, I would say this faster than I can run. That's for sure. Uh, and so I came over the handlebars and crashed. So my shoulder, man, it's just a little bit, it's a little sore. It hurts to raise my hand up a little bit, but I'm okay. The dog's okay. Everybody's fine. I was going to say not to be inconsiderate, but really how's the dog? That's what everybody, cares about, <laughs> that's what right everybody asks first. And Oh, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's fine. I, I yelled at her a little bit and she kind of ran away. And then I went and got a ball and like one of those little ball throwers that gives you a little bit more power. And uh, I threw the ball for her for like 30 minutes so I could just watch her run and make sure that, you know, everything looked everything looked good. And and she doesn't seem phased. So, okay. good. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, I'm excited for today. Jason, I'm super pumped for us to. um get on the show together just for all the listeners um it's kind of an interesting story of how jason and i have become friends it's actually through my wife nancy uh jason and nancy a long time ago uh did a mission trip together uh i mean it's like 30 years ago and both of them having experience and background in the gymnastics world wound up you know as a younger i guess late teens, young adults, knowing each other, doing some camps together and stuff like that. And then just wildly through Facebook, um, kind of connected. And then our families hung out, you know, a few, few weeks ago, man, we had a great time. It was awesome. Jason is the father, get ready, everybody, father of five boys, ages five to 14. So, um, if you have one boy in your house, uh, you can you can imagine the the chaos that is Jason's house, <laughs> <laughs> and I guess maybe you start with that man. Like, what the heck is it like at your house? Um, fun can happen spontaneously at any moment. Yeah, um, I say it's it's sort of like sailing. You know, when you show up in a sailboat, you gotta you gotta base what you're gonna do on the wind and how you're gonna get where you're going. And so when we sit down at the dinner table. It might be 10 minutes and we're out of there, or we might get a good 30 or 40 minute conversation, but we kind of got to pay attention to which way the wind is blowing with the chaos of our boys. <laughs> That's an awesome way to describe it. I love it. <laughs> That's great. Well, uh, do they get along with each other for the most part? I mean, are they, I mean, obviously there's sibling animosity, rivalries, you know, disdain even sometimes probably, but do they get along pretty well? Like, do the older ones look out for the younger ones? How, what's that kind of like? Yeah, the, the older ones definitely look out for the younger ones. I mean, we're finally in a phase where um, our older ones can babysit for the younger ones. And that yeah. usually goes without a hitch. Um, I mean, the, the big picture is it's it's just a lot of joy. And I, I think 
all of our kids experience the joy of being in a big family and having lots of brothers. That's really cool. And our, our kids experience that too. They might have a little conflict with one. And so then they go, they still have another sibling they could go hang out with, you know, for me growing up, it was just me and my sister, the two of us, that was it. And so it wasn't like if we were in a little bit of a friction phase of growing up that we could just go hang out with another one for a little while. Um, and so our kids certainly take advantage of that sometimes if they're, if they're in a, in an easily annoyed by one of them phase, they go hang out with the other one a little bit. Definitely that helps. <laughs> That's cool. Well, how the heck do you get their attention? I mean, if, is it like if you try to get, okay, we're going out the door as a family. I mean, I just, I try to give them plenty of warning and, uh, and then yeah, just some, I, I need somebody to lead. Either I'm the first one out the door in the car and they realize, uh oh, we're going. Yep. Um, or get somebody else to, hey, let's have you be the first one out there or the first one at the dinner table. But uh, we, I find that the, the, the movement of our family is better when we're outdoors, out on a sports field. Mm. I mean, that's really the best um, family, you know, kind of as one unit. And uh, I would say the other, the other time is the individual connections that we try to have with our kids either in the car or before bedtime. Those are some keys for us. Yeah. You, you talked about leading, needing somebody to lead. And that's an interesting transition. You do a lot of leadership work for your career, right? You, you do Sherpa executive coaching. You facilitate workshops on leadership, a little more background on Jason. Uh, talk before we sort of dive into hearing from God and how how you do that in the context of making big decisions in your own life, potentially career types decisions, but also thinking about how to lead your family in step with the Holy Spirit. How do you view leadership as a father in general? What, what do you view as your role as father in terms of leader of your family? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, the, the adage that you lead by example is really important. You know, we're going to talk about hearing God's voice. You got to hear God's voice and do it for yourself before you're leading somebody else. I mean, all those, all those things. And so if, I mean, that's one thing I notice. if I'm recognizing something in one of my children, I, I, I've got to take a pause and go, well, am I doing that accurately? Or is that something I need to work on too? So I, I think that's really important. And then, and then probably the second piece for me is, I think this comes from being a, a gymnastics coach, um, is just this paradigm that we're starting with helping them a lot, but moving towards getting them to be independent. And I think of everything we do like that, whether it's a sport or school or even the big picture of life, I see it as a big journey where I'm moving towards independence. So anytime I can um, give them the opportunity to take the next step, I feel like that's how I'm being a good leader. Have you found as as your boys specifically have grown your oldest is 14 is that right that's right my oldest is 14 and then you have a younger I, I, my son just turned 5 yesterday we literally celebrated his birthday so we have a, a similar spectrum you and i in terms of our kids i feel like when kids are younger they want to be led they naturally look to you as their father and ask inquisitive questions my my son will literally say teach me dad show me dad how do I do this, dad? And it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I love that. But now my teenagers want a little bit less of that. In fact, they push back on that sometimes. They don't want as much of my intentional leadership. So how do you loosen those reins? Is it just, okay, at some point, I just need to more lead by example? Or how and when do you decide, you know what, this is an opportunity, and not only an opportunity, it's important that I actually step in and lead in this area versus... Maybe it's time to let them figure out a little bit more, be a little bit more independent. I'm just going to be over here leading by example and let my older son sort of figure it out. When does that transition take place and how do you navigate that? Yeah, I think there's a big, like a big view transition that happens as they're getting older. Um, but I try to look at it as like little views in everything we do. So my oldest, actually, he loves independence. He has ever since he was little. So um, I've known that I need to give him that as soon as I can. And, and I need to know, I need to really, as a dad, see where's that boundary line? Where's the, where's the edge of safety for him? 
Where's the edge of success for him? Where, where am I pushing him to? So for example, when we, we lived in Connecticut for six years and we were, we were a walk to the beach. My kids learned to ride their bikes by going to the beach and riding their bike to the beach. It was fabulous. And, uh, the beach had some seawalls on either side, so it wasn't huge. Um, but most parents with their, you know, my son Lincoln was two when we first moved there. And I think six, when we, we left that house and most, you know, for example, when he was three, most parents were right there with their child. Well, I would move my chair back. There was a, or I would sit up on this ledge. I could sit where I could see the whole beach and I would let him go. And let them have from seawall to seawall, which was probably only 75 yards, um, and just let them go. And if I saw him maybe getting into the water, I would go and be closer to him. And then once he moved up back to the beach, I'd spread back. So it's just this, uh, it's, I've always had this paradigm of what can they handle and how much can I give them? Mm. So, and probably a correlate with that as a, um, as a leadership coach, Coaching is a lot about asking questions and helping people discover the answers. So I, especially as my boys are teenagers, I do a little bit more of that. Um, my, my second son had a little, um, is starting to have girls who have crushes on him and how to handle that. And instead of telling him like what I did or what to do, I just asked him questions and helped him explore his options, how he's going to, you know, take that journey. And I have a lot of trust for him. I don't think he's going to, you know, I think he's going to treat people well, and I think he's going to handle this well and not make too big of a deal of it. So I could give him that just as asking questions. Yeah, that's great. And I think too, at least in my experience, each one of my kids needs a little bit different approach. It might be the same general idea of approach of asking questions or giving them the freedom where we see these seawalls on either side that's going to keep them from going off on the highway and getting run over by a car, going off in the ocean and drowning or, you know, whatever it is that, okay, we see these natural seawalls are in place. And so we know, okay, I've got the freedom to turn them loose a little bit, give them some rain. But I think each one of my kids needs that a little bit like customized to them, if that makes sense and tailored to their individual personality, their individual capacity for instruction, their individual uh, level of strong willedness and independence, if that makes sense. Yes, I couldn't agree with that more. My middle child is he, he, I could give him a big rain and he wouldn't take it. So I'm doing the other way. I'm giving him a little nudge. Like yeah. a challenge for him when he was younger was ordering his own food at a restaurant. Um, but I just stood firm. Like you've got to order, you've got to speak up, you've got to learn to project your voice um, so for him, the coaching and the, the letting him, you know, have a little more free reign was actually, I've, I got to push him out there a little bit. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, maybe now's a good time to think about, you know, us transitioning into hearing from God, which is, man, what a big topic, what a, what a big and broad and, and depth thing to think about. And, and as a, as a father, I think that, well, maybe we'll make a little parallel you know, as a father, I think that we can be doing all the intentional communication, all the intentional leadership, all the right things. But if we're honest, ultimately, the kids listening is their responsibility, right? I mean, if the kids aren't at all trying to listen to the to us, we can be doing the just picture perfect textbook leadership for that situation or that kid. But if they're just totally closed off, they're totally disengaged, uh, they're not really going to hear it. And so I believe it's really the same with us and God. I mean, if you know, we're not positioning ourselves into a place or a posture of listening, then I think we're likely going to miss what God might be desiring to communicate to us. And so, um, you know, maybe we could start with just saying, hey, what are, from your experience, what are some different ways that maybe God likes to speak to us as humans and individuals, you know, maybe just kind of use that as a springboard to start off some different ways God speaks to, to us. Yeah. Well, let me start with the posture piece that you just mentioned, like the posture of our kids towards us. Um, if our attitude towards is, us is good, they're going to receive it better. Mm -hmm. um, but also our kids know that our intentions are good. Yeah. And so I think the context that hearing God's voice in is that um, we really have to be students of the goodness of God. 
and, and his love. We're just going to receive a message in two different ways. If we think God has it out for us, we're going to hear a message differently than if we know that God loves us like we love our own kids and, um, you know, wants to see us grow and thrive and um, grow up and do all the things in life. Um, so so the posture is important. Um, I mean, I feel like such an open-ended question. How do you hear God's voice? I, I, I mean, I grew up in a, a church that was, um, you know, we were really students of the scriptures and students of the Bible, and there was a lot of study involved. And I just, I think having that foundation of constantly going to the Bible and, um, and you put those two together, you're going to the Bible and you're trying to be a student of God's character. And um, you really get a good foundation to hear God's voice from. Uh, I, I definitely want to start with that. But yeah. I really try to lean into, I might hear God's voice in any way, just like I might receive communication from my wife in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's my circumstances. Sometimes it's a dream I have at night. Sometimes it's something that really jumped out at me in a devotion time or something I'm reading in a book or something that really got my heart in a movie I was watching. I mean, there is just so many ways. Um, so I think more than the ways you hear him, it's really recognizing um, when it's him. The discernment from my, what might be something else, my own emotion or my own propensity towards whatever, and what is God's, you know, intervention or God's in, engagement. Yeah, I I have a friend. He he used to use the phrase. I, he still does. That's got sauce on it, and and so I mean I love food with sauce on it. I just had a taco with some good chipotle sauce on it last night for dinner, and it's just recognizing when you're watching that movie and something hits you, you're like, hmm, that's got sauce on it. I should talk to God a little bit more about that. Or that jumped out in the 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 scripture I was reading. That's got sauce on it. Or man, what that person just said about such and such a thing. I have heard that three times lately. That might have some sauce on it. So um, it's that recognition of there's something going on here and I have an opportunity to lean in more and see if it's God. Jason and I were talking before we pressed record on this podcast about how we both spent some time in Denver or in, in sorry, in Colorado. He was down in Colorado Springs. Uh, so Jason, when I was back in, in Colorado, in Denver, my pastor said something once that has always stuck with me in terms of hearing from God. And I want to, I want to throw it back to you guys because it always, it always sat sort of uncomfortable with, with me. In other words, it, it didn't clarify quite the way I wanted it to what it means to hear from God and how to hear from God. And, and basically what he said was that for him, his name was Dan. He said, a lot of times when I'm trying to hear from God or I'm asking discernment from God, God's voice to me sounds an awful lot like Dan. It sounds, in other words, he'll ask a question and a thought will enter his mind that seems a lot like his own thoughts, but he knows it's from God. And I was like, yeah, but, but then how do you know? Like, how is it not just you and your own creative thoughts? Does that make sense? Um, and so I wonder what you guys think about that. Is, is that your experience as well? And I, I do have a few thoughts on that that I can share as well in terms of what I think the distinction is. But but his follow-up, I think, is crucial. And this is something that I would want to, to point out here. His main point was that that first thought that sounds a lot like Dan in his case is the word from God. And then what almost immediately always happens is a next thought that discounts that first thought or negates that first thought or throws doubt on that first thought. And that negativity is from the enemy. So the first thought is from God. The second thought is from the enemy, and it's important to differentiate those two. Does that resonate with you guys? And how would you maybe shed a little bit more light on that idea? Yeah, I, well, my first thought is it's not a formula. So there's sometimes that I hear God's voice. I feel like there's sauce on it and it sounded a lot like my voice, but there's other times I would go, I would never phrase that like that. Um, like one time I heard God's voice and it was, um, uh, I, the word behold was in there and it wasn't in a time where I was reading like a King James version or anything like that. And I was like, I would not say actually it was low and behold was in there. And I was like, I would never say that. 
Like, this is not how I think God would speak to me, but why did this come into my head like that? So it was like, because it wasn't in my voice or words, I was like, huh, I need to lean into that more. But there's other times it does sound like my voice. I don't have a formula there, um, except that you'd really have to pay attention to the character behind all those voices. Like the negative voice, recognizing that could be the enemy, like, yeah, God, when God says something that's hard to say, it convicts us, but doesn't shame us. So if it shames us, eh, I got a question if that's God. So that's in terms of knowing God's nature and filtering a word that you believe is from God through his truth. Is that in alignment with who I know God to be? Is that something he would likely tell me or not? Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, we, we have the seawall analogy for parenting, but you know, for me, one seawall is always the word of God, the scriptures. The other seawall is Christian community. So when I have both of those things guiding me, that really helps me to discern, was that voice in my mind, was that, does that fit in seawalls? Uh, and, or do I need to check with somebody that I'm in relationship with to see, could this be God? You talk about the community piece. It, it is helpful sometimes to get confirmation on something you feel like you have heard from God from somebody else in the community. Uh, a while back now, going on over a year, I had just launched Faithful Fatherhood in terms of the podcast and felt like God had given me this word. Uh, in fact, mm. and I would pose this to you guys, I'll let you sort of think on it. When is the last time you very clearly heard God's voice? Like, you know, without a shadow of doubt, it was God, it was God's voice. And I'll, I'll be curious to hear your answer on that. Um, but I... I remember as, as clear as day walking up and down the gravel road in front of my house uh, two years ago now, um, just asking God what's next, feeling a little bit restless in, in what I was doing at the time, career-wise, wanting more in my life, wanting what's next in, in my life, wanting, wanting to be in alignment with what God's calling is on my life, and literally out of nowhere, almost audibly, as close to audibly as I've ever heard God's voice, he said, faithful fatherhood. And I didn't know what that meant. I had no context for that. It's not, that's one of those examples where it, it was the first thought in my head, yeah. but it wasn't my, I mean, it sound, It didn't sound like bread even. It was clearly not my thought because where would that thought have come from? Does that make sense? Um, so clearly it's something God gave me, but but it still was like, okay, what does that mean? And all that type of stuff. And I remember we had a, a prophetic night at church and you know, different people have different thoughts on on that and so forth. But I've had some pretty interesting experience with the prophetic. And and this woman was at, at at the front of the church, and I was standing at the back, and she didn't know me from Adam, and I didn't even know she could see. I mean, who knows who was she was seeing? It was a fairly big congregation, and literally, she stopped mid sentence, looked up, pointed at me in the very back of the room, and spoke this prophetic word over me as a father. Um, and I was like, "Ooh, that's like that, like that's confirmation. That's really good confirmation of what I now know I heard from God." Does that make sense? So, um, so I love what you said about community. Iron sharpens iron. Getting community because it can confirm, but ultimately, it's hearing from God in the first place. So, when's the last time you guys feel like you clearly, definitively heard God's voice? Well, I think to go on that, sometimes in the moment, it's not clear and definitive, but then upon reflection. And in hindsight, it becomes more clear and definitive, if that makes sense. But And I do believe that um, I very much fall in line with what Dan was saying in terms of God's voice often sounds a lot like Perry, you know, to me. Because <clears throat> another way to think about that is the scripture tells us that we um, are God's temple. We become filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I used to always think that God's voice needed to come from outside. I needed to hear this audible voice. I needed to hear this word from someone else. So I needed to hear from the scripture, which all those things are great. Yes. Could you hear an audible voice from God? Sure. Can you hear a word from somebody else? Absolutely. Can you hear from God through the scripture? A hundred percent. But we can also hear from God in the still small voice that comes from within us because Yahweh dwells within us. We have God's spirit. And so I think when I began to understand that at a deeper level, I began to hear God's voice more frequently. Well, I began to recognize what I might have missed in the past as God's voice. Does that make sense? God has been speaking 
to me in this way for quite a long time. And I didn't just necessarily, I just didn't necessarily identify that as the spirit of the Lord, God speaking to me. And I think God wants to, to walk with us in a conversational basis day to day. And I, I think we see a clear picture of that in, you know, the garden of Eden, as God walks through the garden with Adam and Eve engaged in conversation, engaged in a relationship. I think we can <clears throat> see that many other places in scripture. Um, but to answer your question, uh, the last time I feel like I heard from the Lord was yesterday morning. I woke up early to go work out. Uh, Liam, my second born, and I often work out early in the morning together. And I just heard this still small whispering voice inside my head. Don't go wake him up. Let him sleep. And in the moment, I'm like, is that God? Is that me? You know, whatever. But later down the road, in hindsight, he needed some, you know, after I got back home, he woke up, he needed that extra sleep that day. You know, he had been fighting a little bit of a sickness and all that, et cetera. And so in the hindsight, for me, oftentimes comes the confirmation. So when you heard, don't go wake him up, did you get up and have a quiet time and you were reading the Bible and you heard, or literally it was just sort of out of nowhere, hey, I'm about to go wake him up and you heard, and you heard God's voice there? No, I, I woke up, I was getting dressed to leave, to go to the gym. To I was getting dressed in workout clothes to go downstairs, wake up Liam. We were going to jump in the car and go to the gym. So I'm just walking through my daily morning life. It wasn't, it wasn't in prayer. It wasn't in quiet time. It wasn't in the scripture. It wasn't in a journaling exercise. It was just, I'm walking through the day and the Lord uh, engaged with me. And so I think the second point I would make, and, and that perfectly illustrates really what I imagine has been your journey then, that you have gotten to a point through consistently over the years, intentionally trying to hear God's voice, one, then hearing God's voice, recognizing that it is God's voice, and his voice becomes clearer to you to where you're better able to differentiate what is him and what is you. The analogy I like to use and think about it is, and, and I'll, I'll use you and your family in context, let's say you're across the house, you're upstairs, and JP is downstairs, you can't see each other, and you yell across the house, hey, JP, is he going to know your voice? Right. Or is he going to oh, think yeah. or is he going to think Liam's calling him? Right. He's not going to think Liam's calling him. He's right. not going to think Nancy's calling him. He knows your voice even though he can't see you because his ears recognize it. It can differentiate your voice from Nancy's voice. Just as you're going about your day and you hear don't go wake up Liam or yeah, Liam. Oh, what that's God. That's that's my father calling across the house, even though I can't see him right now, but I'm in tune with his voice. And that takes that just takes practice. That takes intentionality. That takes years of walking with the Lord. Or does it? How quickly can that happen? Jason, I let you share some thoughts as well about when you've heard God's voice and any uh, any feedback on what Perry and I have been talking about. Yeah. I mean, I actually want to go back to, first of all, what you shared about hearing faithful fatherhood. And I think you touched on a principle there that I think is really important to understand about hearing God's voice. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, what he wasn't doing is saying just that phrase. He was invoking the entire passage because that's how we didn't, they didn't say John 3.16 back then. They didn't have those markers. They invoked a passage by saying the first phrase. And that's how God often talks to us. So you got faithful fatherhood. And what did you do? You thought, there's more to this conversation. I don't know what this means. So you leaned in. You heard it in a church service from somebody. You're like, wow, I can't believe this person is saying something that's on the same theme to me. And and you were on a conversation journey with God that got you here to this place right now doing what you're doing. Because you didn't just stop with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You opened it up and you listened to the whole conversation. And so many times it's like, okay, I heard, you know, such and such a thing in my head. God, what's that about? Have a conversation with God. Take a moment to go, what's the rest of the story? What's the rest of the dialogue there? 
I had never thought about it that way, but that's that's exactly right. It's it's a curiosity to say, okay, I've heard this, but what does it mean? Because there are two aspects of it. There's there's the what does it mean and unpacking that and hearing more confirmation and just walking out the journey too. I believe that God will course correct as you go. So it's like, well, let's start taking some action on faithful fatherhood. Let's start exploring that. And then God gives you more pieces to that puzzle. But there's also the timing piece as well. And so that's one of the things that I've learned when I hear from God is to ask what, what exactly do you mean? What is that going to look like? What's your vision for that in my life? But when? Asking the timing piece matters as well, because it might be a word he gave, because he had given me that a couple years prior. Well, it's been a couple years since he gave me that, but it was a little while before, okay, now now's the time to actually implement it. Um, now's the time to start taking action on that. And so it's important to get that piece as well. Yeah. And there's another principle there that's related. When um, when God called Elijah and he said, hey, go to the cave, I'm going to speak to you. And um, there was a whirlwind and a fire and all these different things. And then God spoke to him through the whisper. Yeah. That's not saying God only speaks through a whisper because he speaks through so many different ways. I mean, in the Bible, he spoke through some booming things and some whisper things. What it's saying is, I want to be your friend. Friends whisper. So we're going to get things that seem small. Faithful fatherhood, what was that about? Or, man, I'm not even sure if that was God. That's because he's whispering because he wants us near to him. And so going into that conversation, leaning into the whisper, it's about relationship. Let me, this is maybe something we should have talked about at the outset. But let me take us a slightly different direction and ask this question. And I think the answer, I mean, I know your guys' answer inherent in what some of the things you've already said is, but but does God still desire to speak to us today? Because I think that's a question that a lot of people have is, does he still talk to us today? It's, it's one thing to read the Bible and, oh, God spoke to Mary and God spoke to Elijah and God spoke to Moses. And, and that's great. We might even believe in our heart. He actually probably did. They maybe even heard a voice and there was this burning bush. But in 2024, does God still speak to us? Oh yeah, that's a resounding yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I grew up um with that question mark in my head. And I think I, I will say this. I, I've been in lots of different churches. I've lived in all, all different parts of the country, different denominations. And I actually believe that um everybody would answer a yes, God still speaks. However, all of us want to put God in a box about how he'll speak. So my box when I was little is that he'll only speak to me when I'm reading the Bible, for example. And I think that we have to look like at the Bible, as amazing as the Bible is, the Bible is a tool to get us to the person of God, as opposed to um, maybe God's spirit will help me to get to understand the Bible better. Does that make sense? It's like, I'm going to a person and that Bible is an avenue and a tool in which I can hear his voice better so that I get to him. I'm not trying to get to the Bible. I'm trying to get to God. The follow-up question then is, so it's a resounding yes. God clearly does speak. He desires to speak. Uh, There's a great quote by C.S. Lewis who said, we should not listen to those people who say that God does not communicate with his creation. And then he goes on from there. It's natural to think if God created, I mean, would you want to stop talking to your kids? Of course not. I mean, of course you want to talk to your kids. You want to communicate with your kids to have relationship with your kids, which is exactly what you just said, Jason. The follow-up question though, and this is more relevant to a struggle that I have personally had over the years, isn't questioning whether or not he wants to talk to his creation, as C.S. Lewis puts it, but whether or not I am actually able to hear his voice. I believe that he talks to other people. I believe that you, Jason, probably hear from God pretty well. I know for sure my wife hears from God all the time, but eh, he doesn't really speak to me. I can't really hear his voice. So hearing from God is for other people, not for me. What would you say to people who may think along those lines, which I certainly have over the years myself? Yeah, I would say that was my biggest struggle to get to the point of being confident in hearing God's voice. 
was, so you use the word uncertainty and we have two choices with uncertainty. And this is what I want people to hear who are in that place of doubt. We can choose doubt or we can choose curiosity. Hmm. Curiosity will lead us to hearing more of God's voice. Doubt will lead us to not keep trying. And I like to use this analogy as a coach, all right? If if I'm uh, an NBA basketball player and I can hit 85% of my free throws, I'm amazing. And I still missed 15 out of 100. If I'm a professional baseball player and I hit 35 out of 100, I'm a millionaire, but I missed 65 times. So I think if I... Just get the mentality that, you know what, if I try to hear God's voice and I get it right 35 times out of 100, I'm a whole lot better off than I wasn't trying to listen. And that helps me lean into curiosity instead. And I'm certainly talking about not making a big decision on this. It's best to start with small things like, huh, Perry's example is great. Like, is there a big cosmic difference if Perry wakes his son up or not? No, he can fail at hearing God's voice on whether to wake up a son or not, and it's okay. And most times in our journey with God, failing to hear his God voice correctly, it's okay. So we got to keep swinging and we got to keep swinging with curiosity instead of doubt. Yeah, I agree fully. And I think to follow up with that is a mindset that let's say we're having a, and this isn't a perfect example, but uh, let's say that we're having a conversation with our wife about something and our kid is trying to get our attention. Dad, should I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a peanut butter and honey sandwich? And we're in this really specific conversation with our wife. And I'm I'm not answering their question because it doesn't really matter if they have a peanut butter and honey or a peanut butter and jelly, right? It's like not that big of a deal. And I'm also in the same conversation with my wife and the kid asked me, dad, should I go play soccer on the highway or in the backyard? Well, I'm going to give a very clear and distinct answer to that question. I'm not going to leave any room for wondering or doubt or whatever. Whereas the other question I might just ignore, you know, I might just, it doesn't even matter if they have peanut butter and honey or peanut butter and jelly, who cares? Hey, put both on there, whatever, you know? Uh, but the other question has this very significant consequence if they do the wrong path. And so I think I can only imagine how much better of a father is God to us than we are to our own kids. And if some catastrophic, horrible thing is going to happen if because we don't get the answer right in hearing from God, guess what? He's going to make sure we hear the right thing. If That is to say, if our heart posture is desiring to hear from God and desiring to do God's will, if it's just... I'm going to do this thing and I don't care what God says. Well, guess what, Jack? We have free will and he's going to let us walk off in that. And there's probably going to be some consequences. But if our heart posture is desiring to hear from God, desiring to do his will, desiring to lean into his path and his choice and his plan for us, and there's not a really big distinct one way or the other, then it's probably okay. It's probably okay if we miss that a little bit. But like you said, we got to keep trying and keep leaning into it uh, to to grow and develop that ability to listen, to develop the ear for hearing God's voice. Yeah, I would just say, I mean, something that I would like to transition to at some point in time here is um, as a as a coach in sports, the more tools you give athletes, the more they move along in their um, in their sport. And I think there's tools that I give in workshops that are really help people to take some swings and try to hear God's voice. So one exercise I give people is I encourage them, just write the times that you recognize God speaking to you. And I'm, I, I like, I mentioned things like, Hey, think of a worship song that was just stuck in your head for weeks. What was God saying to you at that season in your life? You know, what was the decision you make? And you were confident that God, um, was speaking to you. Go back, remember your testimonies, remember your stories of how God spoke to you in the past so that you can recognize how he's speaking to you now and give you confidence. So that's one good exercise is just to sit down with a journal and think, think of all the times, you know, that, that God spoken in all the different ways. Um, and then another exercise I like to give people is tell people, Hey, go walk outside, take a walk, and, and use all your senses. 
feel the wind on your face, uh, feel the sun, uh, notice things with your eyes, take in the smells, all of that. And then just ask God, God, help me to notice one thing. And I did this once and uh, it was after a rain and I just noticed how soaking wet the ground was. That was a thing that came to my attention. And, um, you know, and so I was like, okay, God, what, what's that all about? And, you know, he spoke to me about just being in, you know, having time with him, saturating, just like the water was soaking into the ground, saturating myself in time with him. He was calling me to be with him. Well, do I know for sure that was him? I went and took this walk and tried to hear his voice. Not for sure, but sure didn't hurt to hear that and then do it. And so I think that anything you can do where you're you're practicing the interpretation of what God might be saying is going to help you be ready for when when he's really speaking. I, th- I think those are fantastic. I love that. I like the intentionality of that. What I didn't hear you say was go into a dark room, sit completely quietly, and try to just hear from God for the next 30 minutes. Because I feel like, and I'm not saying that's not ever appropriate, and I certainly do that, but I know from my own experience, I feel so much pressure when I do that. Mm. Yeah. Like, what? and what if God doesn't show up and God always shows up, but what if I don't hear clearly? What if, you know, and then all of a sudden it throws doubt. Oh, I really, see, I really can't hear from God because I just blocked out 30 minutes and sat in silence and was thinking about what we're cooking for dinner and all the homework I have to do with my kids and my, I got distracted and I didn't really hear from God. And so this doesn't really work. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I do think it's important to set aside intentional time for sure to spend with God, just as you would creating relationship with anybody you want to have a relationship with. Um, but what are your thoughts on sitting quietly for 30 minutes, trying to hear from God? I would have failed at that 20 years ago. Now I would be perfectly comfortable with it because I mean, I've used so many tools. I've just built this. I've developed this muscle to where I'm comfortable doing that. Um, but I wouldn't recommend it to somebody who hasn't. And and I mentioned sauce on it. I want to use one other example. If you have two tuning forks that are, I believe it's the same frequency or pitch. I'm not a um, a sound science music guru. But if you hit one, the other the other also will start to vibrate or resonate. The word is resonate. Mm. And we have to recognize when something said is resonating with us that, oh man, something's there. And so when we practice, we take a walk outside, we read our Bibles and we notice, huh, you have a huh moment in a verse and you go into that dialogue with God. God, why did this first stand out to me? If you're just practicing those tools every day, you start to realize when something's resonating. So I could go in a dark room now and I could say, hey, God, do you have anything to say to me? And I would be able to distinguish the things that are just popping in my head because I'm pressuring myself to hear God's voice and the things that are resonating that are, in fact, God's voice. Yeah, I like that a lot. Real quick to follow up on that. I think a lot of us uh, have tried to go sit and be still in a dark room and hear from God and failed at that and gotten discouraged, you know, and so I think that's what a lot of people think the path is, but what I'm hearing you say is that's a more advanced way of hearing God's voice, right? You don't take a gymnast and start them out on round of back handstring full. You start them on, uh, you know, holding themselves up with their hands, just push on the floor and hop your feet. Right. And so I think a lot of people just assume, okay, I have to turn everything off and be really still and really quiet and take away all of the influence so that I can be still and hear God. And what I love about your method of go outside for a walk is it's saying, I'm not trying to take away stimulation. I'm trying to go into nature and use stimulation to create an opportunity for something to resonate with me, to create an opportunity for something to stick out to me, and then go to God and say, hey, what's up with this? Hey, tell me more about this. Let me learn more about this. And so it's almost, an it's like the inverse, you know, and to go from a total um, no input situation and hear God's voice is very advanced uh, practice, but I think it's where a lot of people start out. And I think that's why a lot of people may get discouraged and think, oh, God doesn't talk to me. Oh, I can't steal my own mind. Well, it's because you're trying the advanced version. So let's reframe that and let's go over here to this other version that's a little bit 
maybe easier to start with, if that makes sense. Yeah, I want to go back and answer a previous question to to take away any misconceptions. So Brett, you asked the last time you heard God's voice. Um, So right before this podcast, I just took a moment. God, is there anything you want to say? And I felt like the resonate example of the two tuning forks, I felt like I needed to make sure I shared that in this time. I felt like that was God. Yeah. On the other hand, I've been in a career transition from being a gymnastics coach for 29 years to doing this executive coaching. That process has been a lot of uncertainty. It's not like I've sat in a dark room and got this, this is your direction. No, I, I, I still kind of like, I'm not sure if I'm going in the right direction with this. And so, you know, 45 minutes ago, I heard clearly from God, but I'm in a journey for a year where it's like leaning into whispers. So there's going to be times where we hear clearly and times we don't, no matter how far we are in the journey. And that's where faith comes in. Is it uncomfortable? Because you're actually touching on something that on a personal level, I'm at a point of transition as well. And I'm desperately wanting this booming voice from God to have very clear direction on what's next. And I'm not necessarily getting that right now. And yet there are maybe some quiet whispers. I think I know in general the direction to go, but it's a little uncomfortable. How was it for you, Jason? And how has it been taking action on executive coaching without that clear, booming confirmation that this is right? How do you hold that in balance when you have big life decisions and maybe haven't heard clearly from God in a way that you have previous? You want that. It's not there. You think it's the right thing. How do you move forward with confidence when there's that uncertainty? Yeah. Well, let me just pull back the curtains and just say, There's been moments where I've had Psalms-like prayers. You know, David's there. He's like, God, why are you doing this? Why are my enemies this? Why is life like this? And then he comes back to, okay, God, like, I'm going to trust you. (laughs) It's honest. And there has been a lot of honesty in the last year with the Lord. And and I just want to encourage people, that's okay. If you're in a hard season, it's hard to hear from the Lord. You're frustrated. Like, those are are things we have to have as part of the conversation. and then the other the other thing I would say is you just take the next right step, you know. So um, so for me, leaving one job, um, it was clear that even though I didn't know what's next, that I had to leave. So I took that step, having no idea would I have loved to have a three year plan. The day I you know stepped away from that job, yeah, I didn't, but I knew that it was clear that God was in that one step. Mm. And then I got my master's degree. And I had no idea exactly what it was going to lead into. I knew I was potentially having a transition of a different kind of job. All I knew is this feels right. You know, my dad recommended it to me. I, I talked to my wife about it. It, it. it just felt like God was in it, but there was no like clear voice. I just went with that step. So um, I think that's the whisper. And I think that's part of the beauty. Like I, I'm, I'm finally getting the place on. Uh, in this journey for me where, I mean, to be frank, we're not making enough income yet. So it still feels touch and go. But through all this journey, I finally feel this, um, almost this warmth of like, I just know God's right here and he's doing something in this. It's finally, I really feel his presence. It's taken me a long time to feel like he's with me on the journey. I don't know the next step, but I'm starting to feel like it's like God said, you've leaned into this whisper enough, and I want you to feel like I'm right here with you in this journey. And that that's more important than what he's saying. Yes. And it's more important than the next step. I think sometimes he doesn't let us know the next step because we might be so focused on that next step. And I think his heart's desire is for us to be focused on him and our relationship and our walk and our time together and our engagement. Um, and so if we know the next steps, if we have that three-year plan, I, I don't know about y'all, but I, my mind can certainly just get really hung up on all those details and the to-dos and the what's next and et cetera. And so I have to think that that's part of his strategy to keep us hungry for himself versus the thing. Well, th- this has been a Really interesting conversation for me, really thought-provoking. And I know we're sort of coming up against it time-wise, but I do feel like we need to to talk about how to help our kids walk this same journey. Like, when did you guys start to 
think about hearing from God. Was this something you were doing at age five, at age 14, in terms of your oldest, Jason? I mean, I'm not sure. I certainly started reading the Bible. I was attending youth group and stuff in my early teen years, but you know, I was praying. But and and I do think, and I remember vividly. I would say the first time I feel like I distinctly heard from God uh, was on a retreat in early high school. So probably that 13, 14, maybe 15 year age range for some of you guys. Maybe it was even earlier than that. But I think it's important, certainly, right, as fathers, that we that we help our kids walk that journey as well. So, so just sort of quickly, maybe as we wrap up, Jason, specifically, how how do you have this conversation with your kids? How do you prompt them to not just turn to you as their father for answers, but turning to their heavenly father for answers as they're starting to ask big questions about their life's purpose and who should I date? And how should I handle this teacher or this bully at school, right? Those are questions that as fathers, rather than just always providing the answer, I love what you said about asking questions and prompting them to ask questions, not of you, but of God. How do you handle that? Yeah. So I can't say that I learned that as a child, even though I had a great Christian upbringing. So I took some things I learned as an adult and brought them into my kid's life at a young age. So um, we actually, this is something we do every week on our drive to church, just because I found that space is something I can commit to, to do this, but we do something um, that I call the present game. And so on our way to church, I have my kids close their eyes and I just tell them, okay, um, Jesus is handing you a present. You're the messenger. You're going to open up, see what's inside and share the message. And so that helps them use their sanctified imagination because we have the mind of Christ and practice hearing God's voice. Now, on the first thing, it doesn't matter if they heard from God or if it was in their own head because we can practice the second thing was, huh, what might God be saying through that? But over the years of doing this, they learn, oh, God might be actually saying, like, now I can recognize God speaking to me. So I'll give an example when we moved to Washington, D.C. I took a job in Washington, D.C. We lived in Nor Northern Virginia. So we probably went to four or five churches over the course of the first few months we lived there to figure out where we were going to go to church. So we were doing this on the way to the church. And my son, Ben, who uh, was in first grade at the time, he he got this picture of like these big pillars, you know, as we're driving to church. So we're trying to talk about what it means. And I have no idea, you know, but we're doing this. Well, we pull up to this church. I didn't know what it looked like huge pillars on the front of the church. We're like, Ben, look, like what you saw in your picture. He's like, yeah, you know, he thought that was so fun. So the next week we're doing the same thing. Ben, you know, what's in your present? Pokemon cards. Well, he loved Pokemon cards at the time. So I'm like, okay, that's definitely him. That's not God, but whatever, you know, we'll still dialogue. What does that mean? Whatever. Well, we go to church. He goes into Sunday school and for answering Bible questions, they won Pokemon cards. And he came out and tells me that. So I know these might seem like silly little things, but for Ben at six years old, it was confirming to him that he could hear God's voice. So now when we do that, fast forward, Ben's 12, Lincoln's 14. I start usually when they're around four years old. There's times that you're like, yeah, I'm not sure I heard from God. Other times, one of my older boys will go, I heard something. It's actually not for all of us. It's God's convicted me of something. And so they'll stop right there in the car on their way to church and they'll just have a moment with God praying and getting right which is awesome. Other times, you know, I don't know if it's God or not, but we, you know, we just practice it and it's okay if we have swings and misses. And now, you know, that my kids are older, they're pretty confident and uh, they know when God was on it and they know when that's like, yeah, I don't know if he was or not. We'll just lean into it. So I'm just giving them those experiences of trying. I, th I think that's the key that you just hit on is giving them the opportunity to swing and either hit or miss. And then the role we play as father is to help process that, to help them think through what they might be hearing to confirm for them that, hey, that does line up. I love how you did that as well, because a lot of times, it, you know, I'll, I'll turn to my kids when they come to me with something and say, hey, did you pray about it? And then, then there's just like grumbling, you know, a little bit like, oh, well, what do you, what do you mean? Did I pray about it? And and then there's that doubt. Well, the reason they're grumbling about it is because they're not sure they can hear from God if they do pray. And what good is praying about it going to do? And 
And so that's not necessarily a helpful way of coming about it. So I, I love your present approach to the situation and and helping them to filter what they may or may not be hearing as somebody with a little bit more experience than they have. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So I love that. And to to add to that, maybe for the father who's feeling apprehensive about doing the present game, if that, you know, you guys, oh man, I'm I'm not sure about that. I don't, I can't be still and hear from the Lord myself. How am I going to walk through that with my kids? Two things come to my mind. One is just try it. It's okay to have a swing and a miss. Not a, you know, it's not the end of the world, not a problem. And if you're still too hesitant to try that, right? Maybe you can take your kids on a a walk outside. You know, one of Jason's other examples of how to start hearing from the Lord. Well, you can do that yourself. And then you can also just take your kids. Hey, kids, listen, we're going to do this new thing. We're going to go for a walk outside and we're going to see what we notice. And so I want everybody to just, as we walk, walk through the woods. Maybe you notice this, the way the sunlight shines through the trees and that like these rays of sun are really sticking out to you. I don't know. Maybe you notice that these two squirrels are just being really playful with each other. Maybe that sticks out to you. There might be a million different things, right? And then, like you said, Brett, it's our job as the facilitators, it's our job as the leaders to then ask that follow-up question of, okay, hey, let's go to God and say, hey, what's what's up with this? This is what stuck out to me. What does that mean? Do you tell me more, God? Do you have something more to say to me about that? So I think incorporating the kids with you on the walk is another option as well. Yeah. Let me just mention that dialogue process is the most important part. So if my child sees a picture or has a word in their mind that they think is from the Lord, I'm saying, does that remind you of any scriptures or any Bible stories? What do you think God's saying through that? What else might it mean? So we're having a dialogue of this. And what's cool now is my other kids will pipe up. I actually think, I think I have the interpretation. I think I know what God means by that. And so it ends up being a dialogue in our car of what, what could God be saying through this? And what's really neat, a lot, a lot of times, you know, we'll have, we have five kids and two adults. We'll have seven different things that popped into our head during this little hearing from God time. And we'll see this beautiful pattern weaved of what's God's trying to tell us on the way to church. And this dialogue that happened about the Bible and scriptures and, and um, images and what something might stand for, which all that's going to pay dividends for them, regardless of we heard perfectly or not. Yeah, I love that. And I'm reminded uh, of the conversation we had sort of late last year with Seth Johnson. He's the missionary in Kenya. And he talked about how it's been really cool for him and his family that as his kids have gotten older and they have formed their own relationship with God and learned to hear from God themselves, God has given them, his kids, words that have been helpful for him, the father Seth. And it's been this beautiful symbiotic relationship within their own family. And so that would be my encouragement as well is, you know, we spent a lot of time in this episode certainly talking about how we, the fathers, can better hear from God. And that's obviously fundamentally important, really for steering our own lives, but showing up well as fathers, hearing, like Perry suggested, ways of showing up well with his own kids. Hey, God. Don't wake up Liam, something as simple as that, or helping our kids with discernment through certain issues that they're dealing with. The better we hear from God, the better we will be able to to meet our kids where they are. Certainly. Great tools, Jason, in terms of helping our kids to better hear from God. But it's really cool and excited for me with kids that are still a bit younger to think that if I foster this with them now, how how much richer is our family going to be? Not just because I hear better from God, but because my kids hear better from God and and humbling myself and realizing I don't have all the answers. Hey, maybe my kid has a word for me as he's getting older as well. And so that's really cool too. So with that, I think we will wrap up this episode of the Faithful Fatherhood podcast. I hope it has been inspiring and helpful for all of you guys as it has for me. Jason, I also know that there's a lot more that we haven't even touched on, ways that you really help coach and facilitate men learning to hear better from God. It, it, if people want to go deeper on this topic, do you have recommended resources? I know you do some coaching as well. Like, What's your website? How can people reach out to you personally? Yeah. So. I would, at this point in time, I'd just email me directly at jason at inspiredleadershipcoaching.com. 
or um, also simpler, jasonbonk at hotmail.com. And uh, I'd love to follow up with any answers or responses. Um, and I, I do workshops on hearing God's voice, and that's a workshop that could be done over Zoom. So um, if you have a small group or even with your family, if you'd like to try um, some of these tools and um, put some things into practice, I would love to help. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll definitely put all of that contact information in the show notes below. So reach out to Jason. Jason, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for sharing really just your your experience. It's really cool to just have a conversation with other men showing up as faithful fathers, hearing from God, hearing stories. It's it's so encouraging. It strengthens my faith to hear how God is being faithful in the lives of other men. It makes me believe even more that he desires that for me and my family as well. So thank you for showing up. Thank you for being who you are and uh, for for lending your experience on the Faithful Fatherhood podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks for this great conversation. Cool. Perry, have a great rest of your week. You as well, Jason. To the listeners, we will be back with you again, as always, in the next episode of the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. Take care, everyone, and be blessed. Oh,